What is going on ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another installment of the Rufus Rundown Podcast. Or say another, um, as in it hasn't been over almost, a, what, 10 months? I'd say 10 months, you know. I never had the exact number on the uh, return announcement video, but we are finally back here on this Wednesday morning. Um, I waited a little bit longer than I intended to originally for this one. Just because I had a I had a funny feeling about some of the coaching firings and that uh, they weren't going to be done exactly on Black Monday, and obviously it turned out that Joe Judge did get fired. Because um, once Gettleman retired, I mean, like you have to be a pretty legit head coach, you know, you're pretty pretty well backed in the NFL community for another GM to come in and still that coach still be there, you know. So the so ownership obviously made their decisions, probably did a different type of interview, tried to allow him to you know, speak in himself, defend himself, see what the plan was going forward, and if it matched up with the ideologies of who they were bringing in for a GM, you know, you go ahead and you, and you keep him, but I, I didn't think it was it was going to be likely to keeping Joe Judge, and, and then the Giants will be making the decisions going forward, but that was just one of the reasons why I held on a little bit, but obviously we have the rundown, I have the rundown here. Uh, college football national championship, Stetson Bennett, walk-on, uh, lost in the sauce on Good Morning America, but you know when you're a walk-on at Georgia and you win the national championship for that team for the first time in 41 years, beating Nick Saban, um, that the, the interview the morning after, for whatever sleep that he did get, um, it, it was well-warranted. The fact that he went on there, and he still spoke pretty well. I mean, I think he did better than most college kids that have spent the entire night drinking and partying, so... I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but you just look at him. There's, there's waking up hungover and there's waking up drunk. He clearly, if he did get any sleep at all, um, all it did was just put off the level of drunkenness because he was clearly still pretty banged up on the Good Morning America show, uh, but still spoke pretty highly in terms of uh, betting on himself and what it's like being a walk-on and what, is, what him and his family went through after the the victory and just what it meant to him and you know the sacrifice and the things that he did to get himself to that level to be able to win a national championship to play for a team like Georgia and the SEC um, as a walk-on. So I think uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, the way-too-early college football top 25 uh, can address that, uh, as well as the NFL playoff preview and a little bit of a recap of Week 18, as well as the uh, Black Monday coaching firings. You know, As I begin to work back into this podcast and past opinions and whatnot can be more held, I can be held more accountable to, it's easier to talk about stuff when we're addressing what I've already talked about. Now, it's hard for me to come out and say stuff on here that's like, oh, I thought this, or I thought that, or this is what I saw, but I don't say it on here. When I don't address it on here, it's hard for me to say because it's just whoever I'm talking to at that present moment in my life, and it's not out here, and I can't, you know, I'm, I'm defending something that hasn't existed that you can't see or hear, which is a credibility thing. So I'm glad that I'm restarting this and just kind of biting that bullet and going after it. Um, I didn't really... I don't think I totally, I never really addressed the the, the national championship game or what I thought was going to happen. I, I talked to a lot of people around me, uh, Georgia being minus two and a half and the spread not moving, even though 61% of the bets were on Bama. Bama being the dog, even though they were the one seed, uh, they were six point dogs to Georgia in the SEC championship game. 
and then two and a half point dogs here, even though they won that game and were the higher seed and have been better against the spread all year. And 61% of the public bet on them and it opened at two and a half and it stayed put right there. Didn't move, which told you, I don't know, it just, it just told me, it's, it, it tells me when the when the bookies don't want to give give it away, even though the, the, the public's money is clearly moving the spread, they clearly like something and they clearly want to make money. I mean, that's what, that's what the sports books do. They want to make money. Um, still didn't budge, still didn't budge. So that was what, I thought that was a telltale sign. Now, of course, it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's hard hitting analysis, right? I mean, oh, their defense, their offense, whatever. I'm, I'm a football player. I'm just be talking about whose defense is better, whose offense is better. We can get into that. We'll get into the, the, the trials and tribulations of the actual game itself. I just thought when you look at it from a betting perspective and a picking perspective, that is one of the things that I see and one of the things that I look at a lot. Um, in terms of just making picks for games in general, whether there's money on them or not. I mean, even back when I used to make the rundown picks, uh, we'll get back to that again. We're making rundown picks for the playoffs and for, you know, sports and basketball and whatnot. Might even make it a nightly thing. Who knows? Tune in the TikTok. Maybe I can make it into a nightly thing and just, you know, have some fun with it and pick some games. I mean, I've been using Action Network to pick some games. Uh, Return on Investment Action Network's a great app, you know. Um, so I've been using that. I used that on Twitter for a little bit. I'll be using that on my other forms of social media. Uh, I put out my the fake ticket, no actual money out there, of course, but uh, just on an action, what I, you know, what what I thought was going to go down, and, and little bets you, you can make. Um, so that that should be interesting going forward. Just with the picks that I'm going to make and what I see, and just it, it's an easier way for me to get out there what I think's happening or who I like and just, you know, sports betting is a bigger thing and it's growing. And I think that it's just becoming more and more legalized, you know, pretty much everywhere. But anyways, uh, to address, we've, we've added yet another brand to the little sidebar right here. So we obviously have Ethan Souza design. If you have any graphic design needs, whether it be on shirts, hats, uh, logo for your business, you want to upgrade your logos for your business or a school even, or whatever it may be, you want to you really want to start to grow that and change that and adjust that to more of the modern day. You have a cause, you have you know a marathon or a certain run or a golf tournament, whatever it may be. You need a logo, you need shirts printed, you need you know you need logos printed on hats. You want to revamp the logo, whatever it may be. Ethan Souza Design is your guy. His uh, all his work's gonna be linked in the bio in the uh, in the description of the bio um, that you can go check him out and his social medias will all be listed all over his website as well. And you can get in touch with him in a various amounts of ways. But that'll be linked in the description. The same with Know Yourself. That's my roommate, Israel. Great clothing brand. He continues to drop more and more different kinds of apparel. Really comfortable stuff. Cool color schemes. And really, when you look at the mission of what Know Yourself is in terms of really finding yourself as a human being and his mission statement behind that in, in terms of, you know, there's meaning. It's not just clothes going out there. There's still a meaning in terms of what that I and what that KY means. So go check him out. That'll be in the description as well. And then Jared Antills too, if you're looking to get in shape, train for college, just train in general, get get yourself in better shape. Uh, Jared is your guy. It's who I train with. It's who's really elevated me, not just as an athlete, but as a person. It really elevates you know, your discipline and your, your commitment to excellence and commitment to bettering yourself. Jared is the guy. And I'll, again, I'll have his information linked in the bio or description. I say bio description uh, either way the information will all be there to get in you know get in touch with them get on their social medias get to their websites to you know pro- progress there to either order your clothes your graphic design or, or get or start getting into better shape it's still it's january so there's a lot of new year's uh 
a lot of New Year's warriorism going on, but if you get in touch with a guy like Jared, you're not just going to be a New Year's warrior. You can actually get committed to something, and it is something I highly recommend. So without further ado, we get into it. Georgia winning the national championship. First time in 41 years since Herschel Walker was there. Uh, you see some of the pictures. There were wide receivers lined up in three-point stances. Definitely a different time uh, when they last won it. Of course, Stetson Bennett, the walk-on, leading them all the way. Against Alabama, Kirby Smart being the second of the assistants to leave Alabama and coach against Nick and beat him. Jimbo Fisher earlier this year with the upset for Texas A&M and now Kirby Smart with Georgia. And let's be honest with you, Georgia's just flat out out-physicaled, outplayed Alabama. When it came down to it, there's a lot of pressure on Stetson Bennett all throughout. You know, they, 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 they put pressure on Stetson Bennett, but as it came down to the end, he was pretty well protected when those drives came to be where they just outplayed him. Of course, you're missing your two top receivers uh, to ACL injuries. I believe Williams has been more confirmed as an ACL injury, which, which was ankle bone low. Uh, it was a valgus than knee. I mean, it was almost guaranteed to be, it was non-contact, so catas- just catastrophic with the ankle bone low. And that, 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 I mean, everybody was talking about it not being totally an ACL. I believe right off, that's just telltale ACL, the way that it, the, the valgus of the knee goes in with the ankle bone low. That just telltale ACL tear. I uh, would have been shocked if it wasn't. So him and Mechie both now going to the draft, into the draft with ACL tears. It sucks. It's, it's, it's sad. And it's sad the way that flat foot training has put these guys in a position uh, where those injuries are more and more common. And that's with everybody. In a sense, but it's just it's more of the display of it on the national stage to show what this flat foot training is doing to these people. But I'll have more to get into that. Uh, Jared Antil will be joining me on the podcast, and that'll be part of the discussion as well in terms of the move to that and how to prevent stuff like that. So, obviously, Georgia 33 18, sealing it with the pick six. Uh, like I said, now Saban is 25 and 2 against his former coaches. It's a big accolade for Kirby Smart. Uh, they had the, the, a lot of field goals in the first half. It was a slow game. But then when it came around to it, just Bama could not execute around the goal line. And, that, and that's where you lack those two receivers. You just you need guys that make play. You just, you just need playmakers when it comes down to that area. You know, field goals aren't going to win you national championships. They just didn't have enough of the consistency with playmakers. Bryce Young tried. Tried like hell. Was under pressure all game from Georgia. Forgive me if I say Atlanta. I just... I don't know if I said Atlanta. Forgive me if I say Atlanta. I think thinking Falcons, Georgia. I don't know. I just same state, so I get confused. But yeah, Georgia, obviously making it pretty tough on them. Georgia has a very, very talented defense, talented defensive line. They were they they controlled the line of the scrimmage for majority of the game. Got pressure on Bryce Young. The secondary played pretty well, and of course, the secondary has an easier job when you're missing your top two wide receivers. On uh, a lot of young kids for Bama having to step in. And just not being at that level yet, you know, just just they haven't grown into those guys that those Bama receivers typically become. And, you know, I mean, Bryce Young's job was certainly a lot more difficult. Uh, but they didn't, and they just playmakers that Atlanta have, like James Cook and, and, and that kid Bowser, which, whew, I mean, he's not a true tight end. He's not a true receiver. He's just, he's, he's just like a Waller, a Kittle, a Kelsey. Like, he, he looks to be in that unicorn category of tight ends that we're starting to see more and more. TJ Hawkinson that can really do a lot of things with the football in their hands. You know, they're not just 
throw it up to them or really good block. They could just they're just a unicorn. There's they're just another weapon on offense that can do so much that you really, no matter where you put them on the field, they're good. You don't have to take them off the field. There's no specific set where they're not on the field. Like Jimmy Graham was more of the outside guy, couldn't really block well. Like they just they're just magnificent in everything that they do in terms of uh, how they how do you, how they utilize. And of course, he gets the score in that game. But it was opened up in the third quarter. Um, by the Zamir White touchdown after the big James Cook run. Again, like I said, this out-physicaling Bama. Bama, of course, not rushing for many yards. Of course, the sacks on Bryce Young uh, factor into that with the negative yardage. But uh, the pressure under Bryce, Bryce Young did everything that he could in that. But again, like when you lack those 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 definitive playmakers, it's going to be incredibly tough um, to get going and just Georgia celebrating like crazy. First time in 41 years. You got to give a lot of credit to Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart, those kid, those guys on defense, Jordan Davis, the nose tackle. I mean, just very, very high level players at Georgia. Um, uh, and, and, and that strip sack too, the Bama strip sack. I thought that was when stuff like that happens with Bama, that's really the only time they get in with the score was when they started with the ball inside there and they finally punched one in outside of a bunch of field goals they had in the first half. I thought that momentum was all Bama was going to need, but um, it really flipped it the other way. It was really momentum for Georgia. I mean, Stetson Bennett, you know, buckled it up uh, and just went after it. Really had a fantastic play, level of play after that. And go is going to go down in Georgia lore with all of those greats. You know, it's, it just, I, it's a really, really cool story with Stetson Bennett. Uh, going from walk-on, transferring to JUCO, then going transferring back to Georgia, being low on the depth chart, working his way back up, losing the job, then getting the job again, and now leading to a national championship, being heavily criticized the whole way through by the college football world as well as Georgia fans in terms of like putting a different guy in there. But at the end of the day, you're a national champion now. All the naysayers, can they could have said whatever they want and can say whatever they want now, but you, you have that ring on your finger and we'll go down in Georgia history, in Georgia lore for forever. People will forever ask about Stetson Bennett. You know, parents of, of Georgia and their kids will ask, who was he? Was he did he go to the NFL? Whatever it may be. He, he, none of that even is even going to matter now. It's just such a unique thing to see a walk-on at a, at a school like that. Just a walk-on in general, then to play, and then to play at a level as to where your team goes to a national championship. Of course, not all on his shoulders, as a matter of fact. It was he's the he's the true X factor as to why they won. I mean the defense is just obviously a very talented defense, very talented team around him. Could you could you just get him to do what you needed to do, not make the big mistakes, and he even made that mistake, and you could have thought that momentum was going that way, but really really turned it around from there, and something you probably wouldn't expect with Bama to get that kind of momentum. Just Georgia really bearing down and getting after it. After that, after that turnover, and that, and that was the thing too. Kirby Smart even addressed it about, you know, Georgia getting tired. They're on the field a lot, and it was a question of manhood. Are we going to get out tough? Are we going to get out physical? Are we just going to get? Do they want it more than us? And that was not the case. And even looked like there that that might have been the case. That might have been the break. That might have been the lapse. But it wasn't. It was the. It was this. It was what they needed to really just get, like I said, get after it and go in that. And really created an entertaining game, especially late. Now Bryce Young, of course, another year uh, wasn't his best performance. But like I said, when you lack those definitive playmakers at that level, 
considering how talented Georgia's defense is. There's only so much you could do. It was under duress all game. I thought really played well under pressure. And I, I think still an impressive performance from a sophomore quarterback and Bryce Young underthrows that last pick. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a miscommunication in the route, but just, you know, I mean, can't win them all. Can't win them all. And Saban, like Saban said after the game, this this game is not going to define these young men. And uh, they're going to grow and go back. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're they're already number one in the top 25 for the way too early top 25. And I'm sure they'll hang around number one for a while. And I'm sure they'll continue to hang around number one. But all the props to Georgia with Bennett taking home the MVP. Just nastier football. Nastier football. Controlled the trenches. Uh, just flat out wanted it more than Bama. And of course, when the injuries come down to it, they had more talent on the field on the side of the ball that they are coveted for, for that defensive side of the ball. So really, it really worked out in Georgia's favor. Uh, just big boy throws from Stetson Bennett. That throw to... Uh, Donnie Mitchell was, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, but Donnie Mitchell was, was was incredible, incredible. They saw the free, he gets the free play, sees him jump, takes the takes advantage of that, and puts an, I mean, Mitchell mossing the defender, but I mean, what a fantastic throw by Stetson Bennett to put it up there. Um, didn't the pressure, the pressure on Bennett early didn't matter because it didn't amount to anything in the end by the time when the game mattered. They couldn't really put that pressure on Bennett. And they take full advantage of it. I mean, James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother, very, very talented. Um, and just, like I said, very, really, really entertaining football game when it gets down to it. And when it gets into the into like the real fundamentals of football, the grittiness and this just, just the commitment to winning that game. The commitment to controlling the trenches, controlling the pace, controlling the physicality. Like I said, Bama just could not. In those big situations, couldn't get it into the end zone, and that's that's the fall of them. That's the fault of them. And would it come down to some of Bill O'Brien's play calling? I'm sure it does. I'm sure there's some of it where he might have been trying to do too much. There's a lot of RPOs. I know college is still a lot of RPOs, but sometimes you just gotta go let your guy make a play. You gotta let Bryce Young just you just gotta let him make a play. Don't try to over overcomplicate things. You got the guy. You got the Heisman winner. You got the guy. Let him go make a play. He's the only first Heisman quarterback at Bama ever as a sophomore. Still got another year to go. So let your guy go make a play. Don't don't put all these different reads and just go get it. Let him call his play. Let him let him make his mark. Let him get it, go get after it. I think some of it, if if you look into some of the deeper analysis, might come down to some of the play calling. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's just it's the physicality. They just got outplayed when it came down to it in the trenches, outmanned um, on the outside. The receivers made more plays. Their secondary was better. And the linebacker core outplayed them in terms of how they stopped Alabama's running game and controlled the trenches. And that's the fundamentals of football, what it comes down to. So Georgia was able to really hone in on that and focus in on that in the rematch. And and that's how it went. Now Stetson Bennett, like we've mentioned, walk on, really cool story. Uh, talking about betting on himself. What it meant to him crying after the game. He was greatly emotional. Dreamed of playing for Georgia's entire life. From Georgia. Idolized this school. Uh, talks about the same, a lot of the stuff that I talk about when I went back to playing or whatever. Just, just The betting on yourself thing is really is a thing that people have to adjust to in life. Betting on yourself. Believing in yourself. Having the confidence. Just staying disciplined. I think he said just 
shut your mouth and work hard. You know, no one's no no one's out here. No one wants to listen to you complain about how you think you've been unju- unjustly or it's oh, it's not fair. No one no one really no one cares. No one cares. All well, all it comes down to is just you know keeping your head down and getting to work if you really want something. And Stetson Bennett obviously proved that all of that is very possible when it comes down to that. And, and it's a just like it's a fantastic story. He earned every bit of that Good Morning America interview and whatever happened in between. Like I said, you there is there there he my boy. If he did get any sleep, it was enough. He, he woke up banged up. He was banged up during that interview, but still spoke very well of himself. Uh, of himself. Yeah, Michael Strahan was kind of po- poking fun at him. Could just you could just see the look on his face, and you could just hear it in his voice. But said some really cool stuff about betting on yourself. You know, and, and just the hard work. And the sacrifice and the weight of all of it. Um, even if he never is to play a snap anywhere else, I, I did that successful football career. Really, really cool stuff. Inspiring stuff. Talked about other walk-ons elsewhere and what it's like for them to just keep doing their thing, keep believing in the process, keep believing in themselves. And I said, really, really powerful stuff. Hopefully, um, maybe he looks into. Uh, future career and motivational speaking, coaching, whatever it may be. I'm, there's some stuff that he could really build off of and platform himself with with a performance like that and doing what he did at the University of Georgia. And I'd like to see whatever the future holds for him because it's just it's, 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 it's more talented mentally than it is physically for what he was able to do at such a program like that. Just walking on, leaving, going back, losing the job. Like There's so many things that, so many walls that were put up in front of him that really could have negatively affected his future at that football team but when it comes down to it through all through, through all that through all, all all the all the lows all the highs he was able even the lows in that game that fumble doing exactly what everybody thought he would do what bam would be able to do to him to win that football game and even mid-game just being able to just bear down and, and get it done with such a sacrifice to it and just Leaving it all out there, and it works out in his favor, and and unfor- and it's unfortunate because it's like the first time that I was actually actively rooting for Bama. I'm mean, really so sick of everybody just hating on Bama because they're good. Um, and the last couple times it's convenient too because I like Dabo and Clemson, I like Joe Burrow and LSU, I liked Ogeron when he was there. So it's kind of like I like those teams. I just like the character of those teams. That's why I was rooting for those teams. But a lot of times when I, I found myself also rooting against Bama just because they were good. Sounded like a true Karen, true communist. Everybody deserves a shot. Yeah, yeah. No, not on that. Not on that. And I should have been rooting for the walk-on in Stetson Bennett. For whatever reason, I was not. Um, I just, I, I found a, a draw to Bama this time from all that. Like, everybody deserves a chance. Or let somebody else win. Like I said, sounding like a true Karen. Like a true, or whatever generation we're in that everybody gets a trophy. Whatever the, the letter is for that at this point. I, I know I live in it and I grow up in it. And it's my age group. And it's disgusting. And I hate it. But I could sit here all day and talk about my generation and how they're ruining everything. But anyways, back to what... Uh, I mean, you, you talk about ruining it, but then you got a guy like Stetson Bennett from my generation, 23 years old. Who proves everything that these older generations have talked about in terms of nose to the grindstone, hard work, shutting your mouth, no one cares, keep working, work harder. Proves all of it. Proves all of it is possible through discipline and hard work. And I really, I'm, I, I'm disappointed in myself for not rooting for Georgia more. You know, I'm not like heartbroken over it. I'm not a true fan of either team. I like LSU because I'm a big Louisiana guy, New Orleans Saints guy. 
So you can see the helmet back there, uh, signed by Drew Brees. Which is another thing, if you guys have any recommendations and stuff that I should throw up in here in the backdrop, even want to send me anything, you know, hit me up on social media uh, to decorate this, uh, this setup here. So shout out to Stetson Bennett and the Georgia Bulldogs for their first national championship in 41 years. Looks like Kirby Smart got himself in real good shape there to continue to have success in the SEC and have success getting to these playoffs, especially with the possibility of the expansion. Um, should, should should call for an exciting college football uh, seasons to come, especially in that SEC between him and Nick Saban. So we take a peek at the college football top 25, or the way too early top 225, and Alabama hangs in there at 1. Um, you have at 2, you got the Ohio State Buckeyes, a couple of receivers set to leave, but then you got a couple of the true uh, stud wide receivers in Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. set to return that we've seen a lot of good performances from, from them. Um, Georgia in at three. Of course, they're going to lose some big names uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But obviously, whoever's behind them, obviously with the coaching of Kirby Smart and the way they're put together and built, uh, certainly going to be poised for some success. Texas A&M sliding in there at four as long as they can figure out a quarterback situation. Some guys transferring in, of course, um, and build rebuilding at that O-line. Jimbo Fisher is going to have his boys ready and set to go. Even after the upset of Bama, it, it does it does set them up to to grow. Michigan at five after a rather fraudulent performance in the college football playoff. They're in there at five. They're going to lose a lot of their pass rush and David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. They're going to lose Hassan Haskins at running back, Ross at linebacker. They're, they're losing quite a bit of their defensive studs with a big linebacker. Um, so we'll see how they're able to react to that. Notre Dame loses Brian Kelly. And and then Michigan still might lose Harbaugh too. So Notre Dame at Notre Dame at six losing Brian Kelly makes you think of Harbaugh not being there. Five and six might not be where they're at. Uh, Utah at seven. They you know they've shown some serious play. Um, I I think that that Rose Bowl performance was fantastic against Ohio State and it keeps them up there. Uh, NC State. Set to have a pretty good senior class in there. Have have a lot of returners, eight on offense, ten on defense, and really uh, help grow in that ACC with Clemson still trying to rebuild their coaching staff, rebuild all their recruiting, and get back to the level that Dabo Swinney wants to be at. Oklahoma State at nine. They upset, obviously, Notre Dame in the bowl game, and then Michigan State at ten. To round out the top 10, you have Clemson 11, Oregon 12, uh, Houston Cougars at 13, Wake Forest at 14, although Joel Klatt has Wake Forest inside his top 10. Wake Forest a pretty good year last year. Um, Iowa at 15, Baylor at 16. Of course, Baylor had that uh, performance against Ole Miss in their bowl game where Matt Coral got hurt. Not sitting it out and getting hurt, which was a, a shame because a lot of these guys sit out and try. And he wanted to play, he wanted to go out there, play with his boys, play with his teammates, guys that had helped him get to the point that he was at. And just bad, bad luck doesn't doesn't get the support that he showed for them. Not that it was anybody's fault. Injuries happen. It just sucks that that's how it goes down with someone who's so committed to trying to just go out swinging with his guys. You know, I'm no greater than anybody else. I'm gonna go out swinging. 
don't care about my draft stock or anything like that. Like, I'm just going out here to have one last ride with my boys, and I respect the hell out of that for Matt Coral, and it just sucks that he went down hurt. Uh, Oklahoma at 17, BYU at 18, Cincinnati at 19 after making the college football playoff. Um, obviously going to lose their quarterback, Desmond. They're going to lose quite a bit. Uh, only expected to return two on defense. So it's going to be, I mean, they're in the American. So, I mean, of course, the American weaker than the average conference. But um, still going to be a tough ride. It was a tough ride for Cincinnati as it was. going to be another tough ride when you're losing um, the majority of your defense. Arkansas at 20, Kentucky at 21, USC at 22 under the tenure of Lincoln Riley. Ole Miss at 23, of course, losing Matt Coral, as mentioned. Wisconsin at 24, and then South Carolina at 25 with the addition of Spencer Rattler. Now, that's the way too early. I'm sure that's just bound to change, and obviously throughout the season it's going to change even more so. Um, but again, it looks, uh, hopefully if they expand the playoff, when you look at the top 12, Oregon, Clemson, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, NC State, Utah, Notre Dame. Now, of course, I think there'd be some more defined um, submissions. I'm not saying submissions. Yeah, it, it just there would be if you win the SEC, you're in. If you win the ACC, you're in. If you win the Big Ten, you're in. If you win the Big 12, you're in. If you win the Pac-12, you're in. And they'd probably add one more conference. And then from there, actually, the one more conference would be up any of the outside conferences. The highest ranked team that won any of those conferences, like the American or the Big East or whatever it may be, those teams would be, one of those teams would be it, the ones that they add. So, or, or this Conference USA or the MAC or the WAC or anything like that. Those One of the top winners of those would be added in. So, and then from there, it'd be just the rest of the top six that are remaining, or something similar to that, I believe, which is certainly going to add some excitement to the realm of college football. So, we'll take a look back at week 18 in the NFL. Uh, A lot going on. Obviously, a lot of the seedings and the playoffs and even playoff teams coming down right right to the final day, to the final snap even, in the sense of the... uh, Chargers in Raiders, which could have ended a tie and sent both of them there, and allegedly the Raiders being willing to run the clock out. I don't believe that because they had every opportunity to do that. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's because he called the timeout and he challenged the coach, like, hey, you're, you guys aren't really like that. Or you know, if, if they wanted to just kneel it out and play for the tie, they would have kneeled, they would have ran it out or, or kneeled it out and played for the tie. They had the same opportunity on first down as they did it when they call the timeout. Either way, I think the Raiders were just planned to kick the field goal from where they were because I think Carlson was good from wherever at that point inside that stadium at that moment. But I, I, I just don't see it being that they were willing to play for the tie. They were playing for the win in that game. When Derek Carr says it changed their strategy, yeah, when he calls the timeout, I don't think they're as willing to... I think that we we're just going to kick the field goal from there. We run it down, run one more play, and then kick the field goal. But when they call the timeout, obviously he runs off the first down. They're able to set it up. And then they just do it again. And they kick the field goal after getting the 10 or 12 yards. Obviously it changes what they're going to do. They're going to kick the field goal either way. I think they were just more content with kicking where they were from not trying to fumble the football or do anything stupid. They were going to run the ball one more time anyway, so they're going to run the clock down more and do it. And then call the timeout. But it's whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll 
I mean, it was a fantastic game to dive deeper. I mean, it was a really good game between the Raiders and Chargers. I think Justin Herbert continues more and more, which obviously we can address more in the situation of Brian Flores. Uh, Herbert continues to prove himself more and more. Brandon Staley, man, uh, a lot out there on that. The timeout is not what frustrates me, and it was a good take from Colin Cowherd that said, if you're a defensive head coach, and you want to, so you call the timeout to make sure you have the correct personnel on the field and you're a defensive head coach. That's fine. You want the right personnel on the field, that's fine. It's third and four. Games come down to the line. You're going to force a longer field goal. But if you call that timeout, which allegedly they were just running the clock out, don't believe, I don't believe that. But you call that timeout to get the right personnel on the field, and what you're saying is the right personnel allows a big rumbling run from Josh Jacobs with the game on the line. So clearly... If you're calling that timeout, you better you get the right personnel on the field. It backfires because the right personnel don't make the play or you didn't pick the right personnel. And as a defensive head coach where your team defensively struggles, because that's why you were brought in. They brought in a defensive head coach because they know they have their guy at quarterback. They know Justin Herbert's that guy. It's not like you, you came in and you elevated the play of Justin Herbert as a defensive head coach. No. Herbert's going to do what he's going to do with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. That offense is mighty fine. And with an offensive coordinator, he's going to scheme it. But you got a, a ton of elite playmakers there. The offense is going to be good. You were, you were brought in there to fix the defense, which struggled against the run, struggled against the struggled everywhere. And you have great players on your defense. You have Derwin James. You have Joey Bosa adding Asante Samuel Jr., you have you you have some guys there, so it it's it's not like it's it was totally totally out there as to it was, it was like this big revival project on defense. It got worse. It got worse. So that's the frustrating thing. There is if you're gonna call that timeout, you expect it, and you're gonna pause the game and allow them to set theirs up. You, you better you better damn well have your guys set and ready to go. Which, unfortunately, they did not, and it knocks them out of the playoffs. And you have an elite quarterback who's not getting playoff experience, regardless of whether you're ready to make a deep run. You're in good good, good position for a good portion of the season. Now you are not quite the Colts in terms of that collapse. Now we'll get to that fraudulent performance in moments. But, again, you, you were in good position all season. You have elite-level play from your quarterback, your young quarterback who needs those playoff reps, who belongs in the playoffs, who just seems like that cool customer that is going to be a stud in the playoffs. You just need to help him a little bit. You need to allow him to stay on the field. You need to stop the run so they just can't run the clock out. If you're getting beat through the air, um, if you're getting beat through the air, that's one thing. At least it's not taking up that much time. You can get into shootouts and win with Justin Herbert because he's an elite quarterback talent. But when they're just running the ball all over you and controlling the clock, it takes away from what your offense can do too, which is just an, in- an incredible draw away from a fantastic talent i know it's his first year but that seat's going to be mighty warm for brandon staley when you have a quarterback like that i mean it's it's great for most coaches to have an elite level quarterback like that it really is but it also warms that seat a lot faster because you're not going to have that forever you got to pay him eventually you don't have to pay him yet that's another thing you still have him in his rookie deal surround him with everything you can Build up that defense. He has those offensive weapons. You know, you can pay all those guys. He's not due for another contract extension for a little bit. Especially with the option coming around. 
to what, the, what the Chiefs did in Mahomes. What the Raiders originally were doing with Derek Carr, unfortunately, he got hurt. It goes on and on. So, not a good look for Brandon Staley as the whole season goes on, especially how it ends. Really good look for the Raiders. Uh, it's a really, really good look for the Raiders and Rich Passaccia, who is just everything the Raiders have gone through throughout the season with DUIs and the Henry Ruggs thing, which was terrible. John Gruden resigning after they were searching for the Redskins owner and just found different emails from him, and they haven't even reprimanded uh, the guy that they're looking for. Uh, I'm not saying that they won't, but they go after John Gruden instead. There's so much out there you can talk about with the Gruden thing. Uh, a lot of, I mean, you know, stuff that he said, not right. Not as deep, in a sense, as some other things that people say. Um, it's older. It's in the past. There's nothing to say that he hadn't adjusted his mindsets or hadn't regretted saying stuff like that or hadn't grown to appreciate different people or different things. Or it, it, but then again, he does it through, you do it through email. I mean, I know it's older emails. You just just don't. You just, if you're gonna say shit, just don't. You can't put it in like the the, the the ink like that. Call it ink. Permanent. Shit will forever be permanent. Obviously. If there's any lesson there, you just don't don't be putting everything out there through email, especially stuff that can come back to bite you in the ass. This is how it goes. Or just don't say the shit that he was saying. Be more open to the world. I mean, and there's nothing to say that he didn't grow as a person in those years, and that he doesn't say stuff like that. Anymore. But that it, I'm not gonna get into to those emails and all that all that stuff. It's it's. You go in circles for a long time. Gruden's out. And I'm sure Fox will pick him up within a year and pay him a boatload of money to be an analyst again where he was very enjoyable to watch and still will be. But the Raiders pulling it out. Josh Jacobs having quite the day. Derek Carr continuing to prove that he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. Yes, I said that. Top 10 quarterback in this league, Derek Carr. Um, and it gets him into the playoffs. They'll be rocking with the Bengals. Of course, I'll be doing the playoff special. I don't think I've announced that yet. Uh, playoff special with Chris Santos. Um, I should be recording that tonight or tomorrow. Of course, I have of Brandon Mendes coming on too. That podcast will be coming on. Jared Ansel coming on. All of this before I go back to school. And as I go back to school, I have some other guests and ideas that I have lined up. I want to bring on uh, my buddy Patrick Lawrence to talk Celtics as well. But all that will be coming in the future. Uh, but back to the NFL with just... Really, at least the only team with nothing to play for is the Packers. Jordan Love really had something to play for, but he didn't really didn't show up, didn't play that well. Uh, Char- uh, Raiders in, Chargers out, Steelers in, Steelers lock out. Steel- somehow, some way, the Steelers get in, which is nice. I like to see Najee Harris in the playoffs. Deontay Johnson's had quite the year. Yeah, Mike Tomlin's a fantastic head coach. Now, I don't know which blown lead I want to address more. One affected me as a Saints fan. The Rams blowing the lead against the 49ers, and they're up 17 nothing in the first half. Sean McVay was 45-0. and 45-0 in the NFL when leading at the half. He's now 45-1. and Bounty Gate has really... The football gods and Bounty Gate... I mean, everybody did Bounty Gate back in the day. People, I mean, they were open about it. And they're not, they're not paying for it like we were. I don't get it. The Saints continue to just get 
absolutely screwed when it comes to anything related to the playoffs. In the playoffs, the Rams still finding a way to screw us even after the Phantom no penalty and really struggling going into the playoffs. And I would not be surprised if they lost in their opening round game. But I digress. I mean, they're playing the Cardinals, who they've had pretty good success with with uh, against Cliff Kingsbury. But Stafford has been playing brutally bad down the stretch. But blowing that lead kicks the Saints out of the playoffs. The 49ers win and they're in and they're absolutely flying right now. Garoppolo, even with the injury, playing well. Debo Samuel is just an incredible offensive weapon. You can't double team him if he's in the backfield and you're just giving the ball to him. He's an elite level playmaker wherever he is on the field. George Kittle, great blocker. Going to start, continue to make plays. They take him away in the passing game, but they just hand the ball off to Debo or Elijah Mitchell in the running game. Brandon Ayuk looks very, very good because they can't really do much with him with Kittle and Debo wherever they are. The focus there, Ayuk has really started to transform his game. They've been able to utilize Brandon Ayuk. Um, And I think it sets up the 49ers well to also maybe run the tables a little bit because they've dealt with some injuries and stuff over the year. Of course, knocks my Saints out, which sucks. But there's a lot to like about the 49ers team as well. Uh, The Colts losing... Just one of the biggest fraud jobs in, in ever. You know, this is the team that nobody wanted to play in the playoffs. And MVP Jonathan Taylor, Offensive Player of the Year Jonathan Taylor. Uh, very, very good defense. Great O-line. Can keep the ball out of other teams' hands. You know, you, when you have a good run game like that. And you have to win one of your last two. Including the one against the worst team in the NFL that was undone by one of the worst head coaching hires in NFL history. And no, you just you just couldn't do it. it now, if your season is on the line or going to the playoffs, like the success of your season is on the line against the Jacksonville Jaguars and you can't show up, you don't belong in the playoffs. I'm not going to go through any. Like, you don't belong in the playoffs. You had a practically you had two playoff games before the playoffs. The Colts not necessarily won, but that's playoff-level atmosphere as well. You lose that one. And then a true playoff-level atmosphere in Jacksonville with clowns. I mean, the situation set up as a whole is perfect. you got people with clown masks everywhere calling for the head of the GM, which must suck. Imagine, you know how hard it is to be a GM in the NFL? Imagine getting to, like, I would love to be a GM in the NFL. I would love to get to, get to that level, be a GM in the NFL. The, it's a wonderful job. Yeah, or the idea of it is a wonderful job, being a G- GM in the NFL. And you struggle at your job. You know, you're struggling. And there are people wearing clown masks calling for you to be fired, chanting to fire you. What a turn of events. I mean, how successful must you feel to be a GM in the NFL? God, it must feel great. And because you're still staying in your dream job, in the league of your dreams, in the in the spot of your dreams right now, People are wearing clown masks because they're calling your owner and you a clown and begging and chanting for you to get fired. The tough look. The tough look. It's it's, it's that's that's tough. That's tough for Balky and the Jacks. But they ruin the Colts season. Division games, man. Division game. We talk about it with betting spreads and all that. Just division games. Those they're gonna get played tough, and they played them tough. And just. The Colts, I'm, spe- I was, I'm speechless. I'm speechless with the Colts. It was a huge spread. 
Oh, God, Vegas must have made so much money. But then again, it was such a big spread, you don't know. God. Head-scratching. Head-scratching. And yeah, I'm not going to put all of it on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz needs to be better. Um, and Frank Reich was actually... Brian Flores was the shock fire of the league. Everybody was shocked about Brian Flores. The one that I thought might be able to shock some people was Frank Reich. I thought that there was the possibility that Frank Reich and the Colts like would part ways just because of that game and how he how he gagged, how they gagged as a franchise there. I uh, was not expecting Flores, but of course Flores is unrelated to the results he was getting, but more or less to the environment between him and the GM. But again, we'll get to that. But the Colts won. And Frank Reich, I was, I was like, I, I, I would have been surprised, yes, surprised, but I wouldn't have been shocked. Flores shocked me. Flores was genuinely shocking. Reich wouldn't have shocked me, but he's there. And I mean, maybe it comes down to the the in season hard knocks bulletin board material. You waste the gig, waste away a great running attack like that, a great season from Jonathan Taylor. Really, just a head scratching, fraudulent performance. Fraudulent. I just, and I don't like to say stuff like that. I'm not saying it's easy, but God, you gotta beat the Jags. You just gotta be. You don't have to even. You don't have to cover. You don't have to cover against the Jags, but you have to show. They did not show up. They did not get off the plane. Did not get off the plane. And a lot of that comes down to coaching. So the Steelers obviously needed some help to get in, but they did beat the Ravens. Uh, Big Ben, the gunslinger he is, man. Can't get the ball downfield, but he's still the gunslinger, man. He might be uh, firing off a lot of blanks, but he's still getting the job done. The Steelers' defense, again, playing out of their mind. Um, if they can run the ball well against... I mean, obviously, the last time they played Kansas City, it did not go well in the playoffs. But again, we'll, I have the playoff special coming. We'll talk about that if they have a, even a chance of upsetting them. TJ Watt tying the single-season sacks record. Uh, Michael Strands, 22 and a half. Again, this was another one, too, that came right down to the wire. Steelers hanging in there, almost tied and eliminated both themselves. The The Ravens, I, I still think, is I mean, Lamar Jackson hurt, banged up. They were hurt all over the place, much like the Saints. And in similar fashion, the Saints uh, just, just missing out on the playoffs. They would have needed even so much more help to, to get in. But still, the Steelers get in to the dance. Uh, and Mike Tomlin still yet to have a losing season in this league, which is impressive. Um, and I and I think that uh, Deshaun Watson might find his way up to Pittsburgh. I really do think that Deshaun Watson might find his way up to Pittsburgh this offseason, which makes them an instant contender with the weapons that they have. But Steelers are in. We'll talk about it on the playoff special to see if they're going to go anywhere. Um, I, if I was a Steelers fan, you know, whatever you can get getting to the playoffs, I would take that. And look forward to next year. But again, we'll talk about the playoff special. Now we have another. I mean, it's not. It wasn't as fraudulent as the Colts, but it was a fraudulent, somewhat fraudulent performance. The Patriots losing to the Dolphins. They're. It's not a full-on fraud alert. Now I'm not saying it's Defcon Five or anything, but. I don't know what it is. Miami. There is a curse on the Patriots in Miami. When when Bill when Bill Belichick, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is how it went. Bill Belichick made his deal with the devil. Didn't didn't completely sell his soul to the devil. The bargaining chip was every time we go down to Miami, we lose. We're gonna we we, we will guarantee. We, we are. I will. Super Bowls, playoffs, black magic, penalties, all that. 
All for us. We will take all of that. The luck with penalties and players just blatantly lining up offsides with the game on the line and the tuck rule and all of these things. The deal that he made the devil, all that. For the exchange of being cursed in Miami. Another loss in Miami and they and they fired Flores. Flores doing well against them. It, The Miami miracle, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, the Patriots obviously still getting into the dance. Uh, the Raiders go up to the 5, the Bengals the 4, the Patriots will have to play the Bills for the third time, and depending on weather depending, obviously I like I, I like the Bills in that one, uh, at least from this moment of perspective, just because when just Josh Allen can flat out outplay just about anybody in this league. Josh Allen will outplay every team on his own until uh, they get to the AFC Championship game, most likely against the Chiefs. Every other team he can flat out outplay on his own. One of the best secondaries in football. Um, I think the Patriots' D-line is better. Um, I think the Patriots' O-line is better. But I think the linebacker core for the Bills is better. I think the secondary for the Bills is better. And I think the quarterback play is better for the Bills. But of course, the running game, too, for the Patriots is a lot more productive. Down the stretch, the the Bills have run the ball pretty well. Uh, with Singletary really stepping into a main role. But I just, just Josh Allen is such a stud. Uh, for the Bills, of course, they beat the the Jets twenty seven to ten, but the yeah, Patriots just so just so cursed in Miami, man, so cursed in Miami. Of course, you'll be talking about all the winning fair fans and the penalty fans. Listen, you've got your fair share of calls in your history. Football is football. Miss calls are gonna happen. You're the damn Patriots. You should, if there's any fan base who should know about calls, it's you guys, because your entire dynasty was formed off of one. But, anyways, again, just the curse, the curse, the curse play down in Miami for, for, for the Patriots. Uh, does not really benefit them at all going into the playoffs. You know, they're trending down going into the playoffs. They might have peaked too early. And, of course, with them peaking too early, they were talking about Super Bowls and on the radio and fan, majority, majority of the fan base. I'm not talking about every fan. Again, if the shoe fits, wear it, but don't. The majority of the fan base is, is is where I make my fair assumption from because it is the majority of the fan base that was saying Super Bowl, that was saying the rematch with Tampa, and et cetera, et cetera. Much like the Rams not trending well. The Raiders trending very well. The Bengals losing that last game while benching the start, well, not benching, resting the starters. Uh, there's some teams that are trending very well into these playoffs, like the Titans getting the that back. The Patriots are probably the most downward trending team in the AFC, and they have to play a Bills team that really put more of their a true performance together the last time that they matched up because there wasn't the worst conditions of wind and all that stuff going on in Buffalo with the previous one um, where the run defense isn't that good. Um, but their secondary is, and if they get into another game where they can just kind of throw the ball, uh, I think the Bills are going to have success. But again, this is the brief preview, the deeper breakdown with the playoff special with Chris Santos to come. Of course, you had the Chiefs solidifying their two-seed with the win over the Broncos on Saturday. Uh, the big scoop and score in that one. The Broncos, you know, holding very well defensively against the Chiefs time and time again. Uh, having similar success, but it coming down to the Chiefs' defense making a play. Uh, the Cowboys embarrassing the Eagles, which is a real plus for them going to the playoffs. Even if the Eagles rest of their starters, it's still a plus. Uh, Saints beating the Falcons didn't matter because the 49ers 
came back, and the Rams blew that one. Forced the Browns winning a game that really didn't matter uh, with Case Keenum at the helm. Uh, playing pretty well. I think they should have made that change a lot earlier. Not because I don't think Baker's the guy, but because I think Baker was just so hurt. Even though it's not his non-throwing shoulder, trying to just do anything that he was doing at that at, at, a, at, a, at a higher level, not possible with what they were talking about, the injury that he was dealing with. Uh, the Lions winning their Super Bowl against the Packers. Jordan Love not playing well. That was the big thing in that game. I wouldn't even have started Rodgers unless he wanted to. You want to, you got to appease Aaron. Um, but I would have... I would have played everybody else. I need to see what I got with Jordan Love. And going off of what I saw, you better make Aaron happy. You better make Aaron happy. Because it doesn't seem like he's taking that step yet. I mean, he looks good in camp. But that was a big game for him to make some plays. Uh, and he just just didn't seem like he had it in. Of course, the Lions up and playing well. Really good finish the season. The foundation for the Lions is set very well. I think if you get Dan Campbell some serious coordinators, I believe Anthony Lynn going there to be a coordinator for him, he'll be in good shape. Those guys get to play for him. He's built a really good team culture there. And I think Dan Campbell is going to bring some success to the Lions, especially in that division, and especially if Aaron leaves. I mean, you saw it there. What can happen? What can take place? Because the Vikings getting a new coach, and normally they don't get those right. And the Bears, normally they're not going to get theirs right. That's a whole overhaul. There's no guarantees that Justin Fields is going to be that guy. Goff isn't terrible. You know, there's some, there's there's a bright future in Detroit, in my opinion. Uh, Washington blowing out the Giants. The Giants, New York Giants, have now cut ties with Joe Judge. They almost had it. Uh, they re- reverted back to 1920s football. They, in, in the past two weeks, throwing for negative passing yards. They threw for negative passing yards. You almost have to try to do that. Four completions, Jake Trump. And then they ran the QB sneak from their own third and nine. Now, it's not a sneak. That's not a QB sneak. That is a quarterback wedge. It's a different different type of play call. The result's the same because this is not high school. You do not run a triple option or a wing T wedge in the NFL. If you do, you do it fourth and goal from the one. When it's third and nine from your own, th- your own three, how much confidence do you lack in your entire offensive setup and roster to run a wedge play on third and nine from your own three? That was miserable. Now, I want to go back through every time they've gone for it on fourth and short the entire year. I'm not saying I'm against sneaks. and I'm not saying I'm against the quarterback wedge play because it's different than a sneak where you can just... You, you line up with those two the, with, with the triple set in the backfield and you just push. You just go. Everybody just drives their legs and you go. And you go and you go. And you push a pile. You just, the pile's already made. The pile doesn't get created by the defense. You just make the pile and you go. High school style. Have they done that at all on any of the fourth and shorts or third and shorts or any time they need to pick up one or two yards all year? Because on third, if you, don't, if you haven't done it on that or haven't had the confidence to do it, what makes you think it's going to be on third and nine? And I don't even think they thought it was going to work. I just thought it was this. They literally didn't want to. They, they were so afraid of running a play and just giving up points there from their own three. Either giving up a sack or getting tackled in the backfield. That's what they did. Which, to no surprise, the GM is out of there. He re- retired. That's just a nice way of saying he's gone. He wasn't going to be. If he didn't retire, he was gone. And then Joe Judge is gone as well. I mean, there's no coach that was I addressed earlier. There's no GM coming in there that was going to keep him around, at least not to my knowledge. He, he, I'm not saying he's done as a coach in this league. He might, he, he could be a court. I'm sure there'd be plenty of coordinator calls he gets. 
And I'm sure Bill Belichick's already been on the phone with him. But man, QB wedge, negative passing yards, it's like the inception of football all over again for the Giants. They have truthfully gone backwards and I think are even in worse shape than the Jags, the Tex, all those teams. They, 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 one through 32 power rankings right now, the Giants are dead last for me. The Titans, the Titans solidifying their one spot to get that bye week, which is huge considering the fact that Derrick Henry is trending to playing again. And if you get a Derrick Henry in the playoffs that is getting his work in practice and hasn't had a full season of hits on his body, look out. Look out for Tennessee because Tannehill is not a bad game manager. They can keep the ball out of your star player's hands. They can keep it in theirs. They can rattle off yards, rattle off time and possession, and, and have a true red zone, end zone threat because of how much of a weapon Derrick Henry is. The Buccaneers very quietly securing that two seed. 41-17 with 24 fourth quarter points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady showing out. Rob, Gronkow- Rob Gronkowski having a big day. Again, it kind of scares me a little bit. No one's really talking about the Bucks that much. Every again, it's kind of coming down to that. Ah, Brady ain't gonna do it this year. Can't do it again. Ah, Brady, it's not his year. He's not gonna do it. Somebody else will do it. And he's not doing it. Yeah, it's a good run. He's doing good things, but it's just eh, not this year. The defense hasn't played as well. You know, they're not playing as well as they were the years before. And when nobody's talking about it, or people are doubting him, or even just quietly doubting him by not talking about him. They go and do this crazy shit in the playoffs, and they just run the table. I, I, Again, we'll talk about it in the playoff special. There is something there with the Buccaneers, for me personally, that I have a feeling with them that no one's talking about. Everybody's kind of just kind of forgetting about them, which is something you don't want to do. You do not want to give. You're not even giving Tom Brady poster board material. He just makes it up on his own. I thought the last episode that maybe of the man in the arena. Um. Maybe, maybe. See, he's so even keeled. He's not too high. He's not too low. And that's why he's so successful as a as an as an athlete and as an NFL quarterback. Is is his commitment and his ability to, you know, stay even keeled mentally, and to what's going on in the game through the season. I just I have a there's just a weird vibe I have with that Tampa Bay team, and what they can do heading into the playoffs. So last on the schedule we have the NFL Black Monday, the head coaching firings. Uh, the shocking ones of who's staying, who's going. And I thought the big shocking one of the staying was going to be Joe Judge. Of course, he gets let go along with Gettleman retiring. The first and foremost is Brian Flores getting the shock canning. I knew there was. There's always one. There's always, there's always one, at least one, where you get the the, sh- the true shock. And uh, Flores was shocking. Flores, 24 and 25, but two straight winning seasons. It was one and seven. His quarterback gets hurt. He still finds a way to rattle off. To a nine and eight record, almost making the playoffs. Um, they struggled and didn't really show up against the Titans in that game. But his big chip on his shoulder and his big deal has been—he's been—it's there's been a bad relationship between him and Tua because he was a Herbert guy. The GM and the owner went the other way. They went with Tua, um, and he's carried that chip. He's carried that weight of all those relationships and the fact that he was right with Herbert and everybody else was wrong, and he is out. In Miami, because of that, if you believe the reports, of course, that's what the report's saying. It could be anything. It could be anything. Uh, it's been tough for young players to get along with him, allegedly. Now, some of those reports that come out after the fact that that was leaked first might be ownership and the GM leaking different stories with different relationships with players to kind of cover their ass. 
that it wasn't their fault and they liked to or just more or less that he was very hard to get along with and stuff. But there's other players, there's plenty of players in the league that have come to his defense, like Jay, like uh, Stephon Gilmore. You know, was one of them to say like, "Nah, he's a good coach. This is crazy." You know, and it is. It, I think it. I think it is a pretty wild uh, decision there, and I think it's the wrong one, and I think it's going to come back to haunt the Dolphins. And I think if I'm Brian Flores, I I find a place with a good quarterback, and I build up my team. I find a quarterback that I like. And just build up everything else because he built up everything else in Miami. Instantly, that defense, the special teams were transformed. Instant transformation of culture, and he was there. And I expect him to do the same with wherever he goes next. Don't go out looking for your quarterback. Don't go to a team where you got to go out looking for a quarterback. Go to a place with a quarterback where you can. If you if you think Justin Fields is that guy, and you can build up that Bears team, they've already interviewed him. I, it almost seems like a perfect fit and a perfect rebuild, especially with the culture that they have. So definitely could easily see Brian Flores sliding to the Bears. Very shocking firing there to lead off this one. Of course, the reason that Flores is interviewing with the Bears is because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace both were let go after another down season. They're not going to have a first-round pick because they gave it up to move up for fields this year. But of course, you know, Flores built up plenty of other things. The offensive line, truthfully struggling. The, they were not able to get the ball to playmakers. David Montgomery looked good. But again, the offense really began to struggle after uh, a lot of what their success came from was a defense that was scoring a lot of defensive touchdowns and forcing a lot of turnovers, which is not a sustainable form of defense um, over time. It isn't a sustainable form of points and productivity over time especially considering how teams adapt and watch film. Um, he may look college. He may look back to coordinator. Um, if Biennemi goes elsewhere, Andy Reid might invite him back to his staff. You never know. But I think it is the correct call to get Nagy and Pace out of there, considering their struggles of building the team. They is the downward trend of the Chicago Bears. Mike Zimmer, as well as the GM Rick Spielman, getting their marching orders. And again, just there's... A lot of people have been anti-Zimmer. You know, he'll, he'll get you. But that team with the talent alone should be competing. They've drafted very well. They've drafted receivers well. They've put together really talented rosters and have gone nowhere with it. That's a very talented roster with a pretty talented defense as well. That might need some help in the secondary. But overall, good linebacker core, good defensive line. Uh, talented running back room. The quarterback room might handcuff you a little bit. Kirk Cousins might not be... I don't think you can ever win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, unfortunately. So, while Kirk might... Like, Kirk isn't totally the issue, but he's definitely not the answer there with all the weapons around him. Uh, might be time to turn over to a younger guy like Kellen Mond. Or just making different moves. It's hard to move his contract, but we'll see. Whoever goes there, whatever GM goes there, there's a lot of talent in the receiver core. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of pieces you can move to create a contending team, especially. Uh, it's going to be tough in that division against Aaron Rodgers, but of course if he leaves, it's wide open. Uh, Vic Fangio departing in Denver. Now, he was like the first coach, I believe, first uh, to have a top three scoring defense, which is what you really like, a scoring defense, and have a below 500 record. First team in a long time to do it. Or maybe first team in NFL history. Uh, I have to fact-check that um but 
again, he was one that I would actually wouldn't have been shocked if he had stayed and they revamped the offensive coordinator and tried to really get him a quarterback. Elway, historically, has not drafted well at the quarterback position. Uh, their defense is very, very sound. Uh, don't mind their running back room. I think they have good good weapons at receiver. They just don't have a quarterback. They just don't have the quarterback to do what they need to do to be able to manage games to where they're not in trouble late. And it, it gets them fired. It gets them fired. Not being able to find that quarterback or work that quarterback room up uh, gets them in trouble. I think that's more on Elway than it is on the coach because the defense looks fantastic. But we'll see how the Denver Broncos organization moves forward. Uh, I think the, the quarterback is the more... They're a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away. I would have just thought about keeping Fangio. But I also, you know, sometimes change, change, just changing the locker room like that from that position uh, can bring a lot too. But it's not going to change the fact that they don't have a quarterback at this moment. So the quarterback's going to be the biggest thing, more so than the head coach. Like I had mentioned before, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman both exit stage left. Or maybe stage right for Gettleman as it was retirement. Um, and like I said, I, I, I've addressed just about how disgusted I was at the end of the Joe Judge era. Didn't seem like players were getting up to play for him. Of course, just such an incredible lack of talent on that New York Giants roster. Uh, but, you know, I, Daniel Jones, I don't think he's the issue. I don't think he's the answer either. They got some talent at receiver. The defense, not so great. It's going to be a major overhaul with the Giants uh, organization, in my opinion. And I, God bless anybody who goes there. Now, we have a couple more that are just, you know, up in the, obviously up in the air. I've already been. Urban Meyer's spot is going to have to be filled in Jacksonville, but going to work with Trevor Lawrence is obviously, um, there's a lot of upside to that. If you can rebuild a roster, you pretty much have your guy. I think he got his Peyton Manning year out of the way. Obviously, it was a very toxic environment for a rookie quarterback. I don't care how talented he was. Um, he really showed in that last game what I think, what what we're going to be seeing in the future, Trevor Lawrence. Of course, Peyton Manning really struggled his rookie year. Uh, there's a lot of great quarterbacks that had true, genuine struggles a rookie year, but he gets a lot of those out of the way um, and helped adapt with another playbook in his second year. Really look to his third year as to where I think he'll blossom. Um, but obviously, it's a big perk in going to coach a guy like Trevor Lawrence there. Uh, but there is a whole hell of a lot you have to do to rebuild that Jags team. Uh, Rich Passaccia, has he earned a permanent spot with the Raiders? We'll see through the playoffs. I don't, again, you can. St- I think you can still keep him there as an assistant coach and special teams coach and bring another guy in like Jim Harbaugh, a guy that I think will win them a Super Bowl if, if Jim Harbaugh goes there. Um, Passaccia, the guys get up to play for him, but that flame runs out. You cannot run that, oh, they get excited, they get up to play for him. L- listen, just just win, baby. Al Davis, the Davis, like just running it to the playoffs. I'm totally supportive of this of Raiders run. It's been very exciting. I like it. It's Jared's team. He's my boy. I like to see them doing well. But I just think he, I just don't run with the recency bias and what's going on now affect your decision making into making what I think would be a mistake and making him the head coach. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just don't think now is the time to to confirm him. Because then, say he struggles, he's 4-6, and six, you lose a good special teams coach and assistant coach, you have to fire him next year. You waste away Derek Carr's last year of his contract after making the playoffs this year, and you're in the same boat again. You have to adjust to a new quarterback because Carr wants to leave because you didn't pick the right head coach. There wasn't a commitment there. And you're back in the hole as to what happened after the 2016 16 season. Don't make the mistake. 
I think it would be a mistake to keep Basaccia. There's nothing saying that he won't stay there. Now, hey, if he's willing to leave for another spot somewhere else, if someone's willing to give him a head coaching gig, that then you have that discussion. But I don't think that's the case, and I think you could easily bring in a talented guy like a Jim Harbaugh um, and keep Basaccia there, and he can continue to do what he's doing as a as, as a very good head, a very good coach, not head coach, but coach. And the last one, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson's future in Seattle, trending that Russell Wilson will be out as well as Pete Carroll. Um, I'm maybe that news even broke while I'm doing this. I don't know. Um, but that's sure to come around. Pete Carroll might retire, more or less. If if he retires, he's pretty much being fired. So we'll see how that unfolds up in Seattle. I would not be surprised to see them totally blow it up in Seattle. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to run it back until the end of Russell, you know, Russell Wilson's deal. But they're pretty proactive up there in Seattle too. Um, so it'll be will be interesting to see. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Rufus Rundown. Uh, if there's anything you want to see me talk about, let me know on social media. All the links will be in the outro and in the bio as well. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the above. Uh, go give me follows on all those social medias if you want to stay tuned to what's going on here. Uh, turn on those post notifications as well. Be sure to donate and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, if there's anything I missed here, anything you agree or disagree, feel free to communicate with me and let me know. Very interactive. Want to want to want to know what you guys are thinking. I'm a pretty I'm pretty sure we've covered covered everything that I wanted to to cover here. A lot of NFL, a lot of college football. Stetson Bennett um, as the Premier League returns, more international soccer, more soccer returns, uh, baseball, basketball. As I continue to follow again, I can. My opinions are more out there, you know, watch stuff so I can actually see stuff. Just be more of the more of the commitment to this. Uh, it's not that hard. It's not that hard for me to be committed to this thing because it's a one minimum per week. It's not hard. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, more gaming content will be coming as well too. Uh, Marseille Carbone from the future crew will move on from their position. Be streaming in their future for sure. I'm excited for the NFL playoffs, excited for the future of the show. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. It's your boy Rufus, signing off.